morning, everybody. My name is David McMinn, and I'm the pastor here, and I'm so glad that you have chosen to worship with us. It's a beautiful day, and we're going to go enjoy this Memorial Day weekend and uh, continue it because worship is a great way to celebrate God and and with our our church family. We are continuing, actually, we're finishing up our series on God's family, which we've talked about all sorts of things. First, that, that we are adopted by God into this family and that we have a place and a purpose And that God has that for us. That our inheritance is to be a part of this. And through that we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about what it means to be a parent in God's family. To be a child in God's family. To be single. To be married. And that we are called to bear one another's burdens and go through this life together. Well today we are wrapping up our sermon series as I said with you, money, your family, and God. Just exactly everyone's favorite topic for their pastor to preach on, right? We all want to hear about the pastor talk about money. (laughs) Exactly, yay. Well, as much as you like to hear it is about as much as I like to talk about it. However, this is one of the most important things that we can talk about. Because Scripture tells us where where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So we're going to talk about what it means for us to be godly people and what we're supposed to do with our finances and how we're supposed to be a people who are generous. My father was, is, he's still, he's still alive. My father is one of the most generous people I know. He and I have a special bond because right when I was adopted, he didn't have a job. And so he was unemployed and we would hang out during the day and it was awesome. It was, in fact, I, I think that that unemployment was a gift from God to me so that I could have that relationship with my dad. And he was so generous. You know that, that saying, he would give you the shirt off his back? Sometimes I think I literally saw him give the shirt off his back to people because if there was someone asking for money and he had money in his wallet, he was giving it away. If there was a cause, a need, an issue, he was giving it away. And, and I hope that one of the things that I have received, one of the inheritances that I've received from my father is that heart of generosity. But there was another side of my dad, which was that he wasn't always the most responsible with money. And he didn't teach me very well on to be responsible. And so it's taken me into my life how to be a good steward of what God has given me and what God has shared with me and what God has asked me to be responsible with. And so today we're going to talk about how to be good stewards with what God has given us and also to be people of generosity. This is important because money and how we spend money and how we act with money is a Jesus issue. You know, Jesus talks more about money than almost anything else. It's important. How we spend our money is important. How we interact with money is important. And as I said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So we have to discuss this as a family. We have to talk about what it means to receive these gifts God has given us and how to be responsible and how to be generous. We talked last week about that we shouldn't worry about that passage where it talks about we shouldn't worry about our clothes and where our food comes from. And that's not an excuse not to work, but rather to seek God first, and those things will get thrown in, right? And today we're going to delve a little bit more into that because it is so true with our finances and what God has given us. We have to seek God first, and then the finances will take care of themselves if we are responsible and generous. So why does this matter to you? As I said, where your heart is, that is where your treasure is. And so if you are, have built your whole life seeking after money, then you're still going to feel empty 
Because we are designed with a God-shaped hole inside of us. And the only thing that can fill us, fill us up is relationship with God. In my pocket, I have $5. Who thinks that if I gave them this $5 bill, they would be more fulfilled than they were before? Anybody? <laughs> All right. What if it was $50? What if it was $100? What if it was $1,000? What if I had a $1,000 bill and I was like, would you be happier if I gave you this $1,000 bill? Did they make a $1,000 bill? I don't even know. I've never seen one. <laughs> what if you won the lottery? What if, what if you had a million dollars? What if you had $10 million? Would that make you happier? Would that make you more fulfilled? You know, they have actually done studies after studies that those who play the lottery and win it are often more miserable after they win the lottery. Isn't that shocking? That just receiving a ton of money out of nowhere does not make you happier. In fact, this is one article that I found talking about a woman who won the lottery. said this, But the lavish lifestyle has only made her feel empty inside, she said. People look at me and think and say, I wish I had her lifestyle, I wish I had her money, but they don't realize the extent of my stress. I have material things, but apart from that, my life is empty. She pondered, the, what is my purpose in life? So if your life is empty before you have wealth, your life will be empty after you have wealth. Money is not a bad thing, right? We all would take the $5. I don't think there's anybody that wouldn't take the money. We'd all take $1,000. We'd all take a $1 million dollars. But money in itself cannot bring fulfillment. It cannot bring happiness. It cannot bring joy. That's what we do with God and our relationships and our finding purpose through what God has called us to do. The truth is that money is a tool. Money is neither good nor evil. In fact, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Money itself is not the problem. It's our love and our desire and the fact that we put money above seeking God. We've got to seek God first and all things will be thrown in. Now, I want to be honest with you guys. Just like I was last week when we were talking a little bit about the single life and sex and, and those kind of things. I don't talk to you about money because I want you to, be, want you to feel guilty. I'm not up here to hammer you and, and make you feel guilty so you give more to the church. This isn't even a stewardship sermon. I'm not really even talking about giving to the church. What I want is for you to seek God and receive the fulfillment of seeking God and then when you do, you are blessed with God's resources that you can use it for God's kingdom and for goodness. And I do hope a little bit that the Holy Spirit that is within us, we believe as Christians that the Holy Spirit inhabits within us. And I do hope that that Holy Spirit kind of makes us itch this morning because it made me itch writing this sermon. And I want you to be a little bit uncomfortable, but the goal is not to make you feel guilty. The goal is to tell you what God's design is for money and wealth in your life, and then help us to start living towards that. As I said, where your treasure is is where your heart is. So what do you truly treasure in life? What do you seek? What do you look for? What are you trying to build? What are you trying to establish? What is your purpose? Because God tells us, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Our scripture this morning comes from Luke chapter 12, starting with verse 13. This is what it says. Someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus said to him, 
Man, who appointed me as judge or referee between you and your brother? Then Jesus said to them, watch out, guard yourselves against all kinds of greed. After all, one's life isn't determined by one's possessions, even when someone is very wealthy. Then he told them a parable. A certain rich man's land produced a bountiful crop. He said to himself, what will I do? I have no place to store my harvest. Then he thought, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And that's where I'll store all my grain and goods. And I'll say to myself, you have stored up plenty of goods, enough for several years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, fool, tonight you will die. Now you will get the things that you, now who will get the things that you have prepared for yourself? This is the way it will be for those who hoard good things for themselves and who aren't rich. And then later in verse 33, it says, sell your possessions and give to those in need. Make for yourself wallets that don't wear out, a treasure in heaven that never runs out. The thief comes near and no moss destroy. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we have this story, and Jesus is teaching, and there's a large crowd gathered around him, and someone comes to him, and this is, this is part of the Jewish tradition, because Solomon, people would come to Solomon, and they would have him arbitrate disputes, and someone comes to him and says, tell my brother to share my land with me, or the land of our father with me. Now, land, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that land was very important. Inheritance means land in the Jewish people. If you didn't have land, you were going to be poor. You had no way to take care of your family. So land was incredibly important. But Jesus doesn't even go there. He kind of like just cut straight to it, and he goes to greed. Because one of the things that Jesus is wanting to share and talk about is that God isn't just here to give the Jewish people their land back from the Romans. That God isn't just here to provide that physical inheritance. In fact, what God is here to do is to provide grace and love and peace so all can inherit the earth. And so all will have what they need. And so he cuts right to it and he starts talking about greed. And this is a really fascinating story, right? Because you have this brother and um, he he wants him to to share the land with him. And he, he tells this story, this parable. And parables are when Jesus is trying to tell a story with a point, right? And he tells this parable about a man who is blessed with a bountiful harvest. That's a good thing, right? We would all love a bountiful harvest. Maybe that's a bonus check at work, or maybe you are a farmer and you have a great and bountiful harvest. We would all love that. That's not the problem. So he's given this bountiful harvest. He already has grain silos, right? He already has a place to store his grain. But he doesn't go to his friends and say, how should I handle this bountiful harvest. He doesn't pray about it. He doesn't go to the temple. He just thinks, I'll just build bigger barns. I'll tear down the barns that I have, and I'll build bigger barns, and then I'll have more wealth for myself. I'll just build bigger barns. And then he dies. He doesn't get to enjoy any of it, and he hasn't shared it, and he hasn't done anything with it. He just sits there, and and the question from God is, now who will get to enjoy your wealth? you, you can't take it with you. And then later Jesus says, you know, store your treasures in heaven where thieves and moths can't find them. And this is really interesting because there is not a bank in heaven, right? <laughs> There's no bank for us to make a deposit in. There's no storage box. There's no vault in heaven for us to store a heaven. So what I think Jesus is actually saying is invest in heavenly things here and now. That if you have this blessing from God, if you have this blessing from God, That instead of trying to store it and keep it to yourself, make heaven on earth. See, we believe that heaven is where God is. And we believe 
that we as Christians, when we have the Holy Spirit in us, that where we go, we take heaven with us. So when he's saying, store your treasures in heaven, he's saying, do heavenly things with it. We pray every single week that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever thought what that means? We're called to bring God's will on earth as it is in heaven. And if we just keep building bigger barns and bigger barns and storing up more and more wealth, and we're not sharing it and making sure that people have their needs taken care of, then we're not investing in heavenly things. We're not investing in heavenly things. But what we're called to do as we store up our treasures in heaven is to make an impact in this world today. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, the second part of it says this. Because you know that your labor isn't going to be for nothing in the Lord. Now that's a, a very short verse. And in another translation it says, your labor will not be in vain. What we do for the kingdom now matters into eternity. What we choose not to do for the kingdom matters into eternity. God is going to take the hard work of our labors. If we invest in putting our treasures in heaven and making earth like heaven, that's going to matter when Jesus returns. That's going to matter in the new heavens and new earths, new earth that Jesus is going to recreate our world into. What we do with our resources, how we steward what God has given us matters. We can make heaven on earth if we store our goods in heaven. So what is the family of God, what should our relationship with money be? Well, the first thing that we have to believe is that what we have is from God, that we are God's stewards of God's gifts. That's how God designed the world, for humans to steward this planet and everything we've been given. That it's, first of all, that it's God's to begin with. We are just simply holding on to it. And we are called to put God first and to trust in God to make sure that we have what we need. Do you trust God to make sure that you have what you need, that your family can be taken care of? Are you willing to invest your treasures in heaven and trust God. That's the first thing. All we have is from God. This is God's planet, God's world, our wealth. What we have, what we don't have, is all from God. And then, go ahead and flip to the next slide, Chris. This is a great say, <clears throat> saying from uh, John Wesley, who founded the Methodist Church. And he had three simple rules when it came to money. Earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. I love this because this is incredibly practical, right? What Jesus is not saying is to be lazy and just go and, and not work and not have fruit of your labor. What Jesus is saying is to be generous, that we are called to earn what we can. We're called to work hard and get good jobs and work for the kingdom of God. You know, it does talk about some of the, of the early church sold all their possessions and gave it to the poor, and some people are called to that. Some people are called to that. But there were also people who had homes that the churches met in their homes, and they kept their possessions. They shared what they had. They had meals together. They were creative. They lived in neighborhoods. If all the Christians sold all that they have, we'd all just be homeless, right? The idea is that we are to be generous with every resource that we have. If that's a home, be generous with your home. 
If that's money, be generous with your home. I mean, with your money. You know, your food, your table. Invite people over for dinner. Maybe there's someone in your neighborhood who doesn't have the resources they need. Invite them over for dinner. Help take care of them. Find your local college students. Go to the community college and just take a van and just load up all those college students and take them home to your house and feed them. Find a way to be generous with what you have. But it's important that we work hard and that we earn what we can in this life. This is not an excuse to be lazy. Trusting God does not mean be lazy. It means to work hard and trust God. The same thing is we're called to save that what we can. We're supposed to be responsible. This is where I, taught, I mentioned earlier that we're talking about God wants us to be responsible stewards and be generous. Does that make sense to you? It's not just about being so irresponsible that someone then has to take care of us, right? Now, there are, again, there are people who are literally called to poverty, right? Or there's people who are called to be missionaries, and we want to support them. But that's not everyone. It's a unique and special calling. Save what you can. Be responsible. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Those resources have been given to you to be wisely uh, stewarded by you. And the third thing is to give all you can. We're supposed to be such generous people. Because we believe that God was incredibly generous to us. Josh mentioned this earlier. Jesus, out of God's generosity to us, took on the punishment that we deserved for our sins. That's generosity. That's generosity. We're called to be that kind of generous people. We're called to be willing to give the shirt off our back. We're called to be willing to give what we have, maybe go above and beyond the extra mile. When we see a cause that we're passionate about, we want to give to that. And I hope, I hope that this church is one of those causes, that you are as passionate as I am about making disciples Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. When later this year we roll out our 2030 vision, I hope that you're inspired, that you want to give to this community because you see that we are making an impact, that if Rockbridge did not exist, that Cedar Park would be worse for it, that Leander would be worse for it, that Austin area would be worse for it, the whole world would be worse. That's why you give to your church. You give to your church because you see that our kids are over in the portables learning about what it means to be disciples. On Sunday nights, our youth are here learning what it means to be disciples. Our mission team, our missions are out beyond the walls. Our outreach is out beyond the walls of this church. That is why you give to the church. I hope you're inspired that you are so excited about what we do here that you want to give to the church. And I hope there are other causes because there's a lot of needs in our world that you want to give to. Let God break your heart for the problems in this world. And be generous because we have so much. So as we talk about what it means as we as the church and God's family and what it means when we talk about being generous and and good stewards of God's finances, it's also on you, the church, to make sure that we are responsible with the money that you give us. We are all partners. Maybe not all of us, but a lot of us are partners. And all of us have a, a, a stake in what we do here. So you're called to hold us accountable to make sure that we are spending the money the way we're supposed to be spending it, so that you are inspired to give to the church. Make sure that the church is taking care, as the Bible says, of widows and orphans. Maybe not specifically. I don't, I don't think that we're supposed to read that legalistically, although Jesus very specifically mentions widows and orphans. But what Jesus is saying is we're called to take care of the least and the last and the lost. 
And if you're not seeing your church do that, it's time for you to stand up at the next church meeting and say, why are we spending money on this and not on this? That's why part of our 2030 vision is for every dollar we spend on the church, that we also spend a dollar outside the walls in outreach and missions. Because we believe that our work is out there. Now, we do important work in here in discipleship of everyone and the taking care of each other. There's wonderful work inside the walls of the church. But there's also important work outside the walls of the church. You know, over a billion people claim to be Christian in this world. It's an incredibly large number. Imagine if those billion people were actually generous with what they had. Imagine the good we can do. Imagine the world we can change. And we see this, right? We see it in small ways when little kids have a lemonade stand and they raise several hundred dollars for a cause. We see youth going on mission trips and adults going on mission trips. When the Hurricane Harvey hit, and everyone responded. This church responded, and people gave resources and finances to make sure people had, could be taken care of. When J.J. Watt put that challenge, and at first he just had a, a small, like a few million dollars, and he gave generously to it himself, and before he knew it, it was at $40 million. People, we can make an impact with our generosity. We can change the world. We can make it as God has designed it. We can invest our lives in heavenly things. Maybe we can give up a few of those luxuries that we have and really focus on being generous and finding those who are hurting. And and God will let you know. Each of you have a cause that God wants you to be passionate about. And it may not be the same for all of us. But let God break your heart. See the pain and suffering in this world and be generous. The question is, when we receive these resources for God, Do we just look for a way to build bigger barns? You know, he had a barn. He took care of himself. He had a place to store his grain. It's okay to make sure that we have enough and that we're taken care of. But when we get more, do we just look for bigger barns to build? Or do we trust God? Do we trust him enough to give in a way that puts God's priorities first? And trust that God will provide what we need. Seek first the kingdom of God. On all these things will be added to you as well. Amen.